there's no two ways about it. Running is an emotional thing. Whatever reason you're running, there's an emotion connected to it. But how do you stay on top of your emotions when running a race you've prepared for for months? What do you do if you get too excited at the start of the race? Is there a way to prepare your emotions for what's about to take place? Well, today on Irishman Running Abroad, I talk to the queen of Irish athletics, Sonia O'Sullivan, about just that. We get her insights into how you can control your emotions, your passion, your fears, and of course, the anxiety that can set in mid-race. We also get the experience of Vinnie Mulvey, our current coach on the line, as I am 30-something days out from the London City Marathon. He is, of course, coaching myself and Sonia at the moment, and you can hear the full conversation with both of them and myself over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Hello and welcome back, Sonia. A very fuzzy Sonia, I'd imagine. How long were you on board your plane back to uh, England? Um, so the first one was more than 13 hours, I think from Melbourne to Abu Dhabi Oof. and that actually wasn't too bad because I slept a fair bit Okay. because um, I was lucky there was a free seat next to me so I was curled up in a ball nice <laughs> and then the second flight was I think it was only like six or seven hours but that felt longer it drags yeah it does it's yeah. the last leg it's because you're so close you're close but then it's also because you've slept and then it's kind of early morning so it feels like daytime mm. but then you don't really sleep and yeah there's only so much movies and stuff you can watch and then you get just tired of it all you see you 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 circumnavigate this planet in such a way that it doesn't seem like you ever get to see the really bad weather you're landing back into <laughs> london now as spring breaks we really are at that moment where it's daffodils everywhere 33 days to go to the London Marathon and the Cove 10 mile road race just around the corner. This weekend, your club ran a little recce run of the course. How did that go? Yeah, it looked like it went really well. Um, They had a good crew out. They had a few visitors from outside of Cove. Um, They had this fella, uh, Jerry Ford. He's a wheelchair racer and um, he's very well known down in Cork area and he wanted to come and check out the course to make sure he'd be able to do it on the race day. Mm. So I think he's going to set off a little bit early and get around out there. Well, um, immense crack, I'd say, doing it in the chair going down those hills. I mean, if <laughs> anything, down the hills, but up <laughs> yeah. the hill is another story. That's I think. a different <laughs> matter. Uh, you've been attacking the hills in your runs in the past week. Our plans set out for us by the brilliant Vinnie Mulvey of VinnieMulveyFitness.com. Shout out to him. We'll hear from him later on in the show. Uh, you sent me a photo of a hill that you attacked this week on one of your training runs. Uh, you really weren't messing around this week, Sonia. No, that was a pretty good hill. It was um, at Bell's Beach in um, down along the surf coast in Victoria, uh, down along the Great Ocean Road. Mm. So I was down there for the weekend and the run that I do down there on a Sunday, it, it's very nice. It's along the cliff tops. And normally when you get through the Ironbark Basin, which is a really nice kind of foresty area, 
you can drop down to the sea and then you can come back along the beach, which is really nice because it's flat and, you know, if the wind is behind you, it's great. But mm. when the tide is is in and so you, you, you don't always get the tide out at the time you want to run there. So if the tide is in, then you kind of have to come back along the trails again. And yeah. when you do that, when, when you do that, you go, you do a little loop at the end that takes you down a big hill. Then, of course, means you have to come back up a big hill again. Yeah. And then back and up through Bell's Beach as well, which is um, a very famous surfing beach. I've uh, been, I have been uh, myself. Des, yeah. Des Bishop and Jason Byrne were there to watch a surf comp. And our good yeah. old surf comp was taking place. And she's not messing. The walk down is steep. I can't, like, you're, you're going, like, if I'm remembering this correctly, these hills that you were doing are like Stairmaster level of uh, upward climb when you're being asked for it would you be inclined and we are subject today our topic for the show around the issue of controlling your emotions in races uh, the hills in some ways prepare you for that because you've always said to me when you get to the top of the hill keep going even though <laughs> the temptation is to go right I'm taking a break here now are, are you religious about that always keep going once you get to the top um, it depends on the hill. I think in a, in a race, definitely, yes, you, you run over the top. Right. Um, and I think that's something I've always kind of known from when I was really young, um, running cross country races that any, you know, of my coaches from Sean Kennedy to, um, Alan Story, you know, they always say you just, you run over the top of the hill. So the top of the hill is not when you stop and you take a sigh of relief and you kind of say, oh, that's over now. <laughs> yeah. But you have to keep running. Um, otherwise, you just kind of lose the momentum and mm. then you have to restart again. So you, you, you just change. I think when you're running up the hill, you, you can take shorter steps. And so your turnover is greater. And then you just keep moving at the best turnover rate you can at the top of the hill. Until you get yourself, you know, back level on the flat again. And then you start to just get yourself back into a normal, feeling good running again. There's such a strange um, microcosm of a race, a hill in many ways, because, you know, there's going to be a part in each hill where it's not fun, where you're pushing against that part of you that wants to stop. But you are aware in your mind that there's something better on the other side. So it is kind of, would you agree, a fantastic way to practice that, uh, that I guess it's a kind of conditioning that you need to get good at being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Uh, when the emotions kick in, though, it, and this is something that I'm interested in talking about this week, because my emotions do run close to the surface in case people don't know. I am uh, like I do get emotional quickly and I've definitely had races where I've allowed my emotions get on top of me. You've had that too, Sonia. I'm sure you've had times and we've witnessed times when your emotions are right there on your face. Have you over the years, my first question on this subject, found ways to get on top of them or prevent them from taking over um 
Well, it depends on the situation and it, <laughs> it depends on a lot. Um, and I think the first thing you have to do is to recognize it, that you're not relaxed and you're not in control. And I actually had this experience myself just on the weekend um, running the park run down in Torquay. And I went over there with the intention to run it at a threshold pace. Right. And then I was going to have a five minute jog and then do another 18 minutes or so at threshold. And so normally when you do it in the park run, because you turn up and you're not intending to go out at full speed, it's actually quite nice and you feel good mm. because you're getting carried along by all the people all around you. And it wasn't too bad for the start. But then I definitely had like some kind of tension creep in. And as soon as that happens, then it just feels harder than it should. And you notice because you know that this is not a hard pace, but because you're tense and you're bothered by something and it can be something totally unrelated to the actual running, you've allowed yourself to be distracted and your whole body tenses up. And so you can't relax. And when you can't, when you don't relax and you can't kind of flow when you're running. Yeah. So you tighten up. And so there was not a whole lot I could do about it except try and, you know, maintain the pace I was trying to go at and tell myself, you know, it's only 4.30 per kilometre. It's not that hard. Mm. Just keep running. And I did manage... And that, and that was the dialogue. That was the dialogue in your mind. Yeah. So it was really to just keep running at a relaxed pace and, and not look at my watch either because I didn't want to know what pace I was going mm. just to kind of feel that I was going at that comfortable pace, even though it felt harder than it should have. Yeah. And so yeah. then when I was finished, then I jogged for five minutes and then I was going to do the same thing again by myself. And you would think that would feel harder than after doing it. But because in my mind, I just said, no, you're running at a slower pace. You're just and you have to get your breathing right. So I felt like when I was doing the park run, if I was swimming, it would have been really difficult because I just didn't feel like I was relaxed. And when you're swimming, you have to be relaxed and you have to not panic. Mm. Um, so when you're running, you don't feel it as much because, you know, you're not in the waters. <laughs> you're you're actually OK. You could stop if you wanted. To. Yeah, 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 of um, course. So it does become a whole kind of self-talking thing, I think. Now, if it was purely a session and it wasn't a park run that I was in, then I would stop and start again, I think. And you reset yourself and you just kind of get yourself to try. You would, what you would do is you would slow yourself down and tell yourself, okay, I'm going to go slower. And oftentimes when you do that, you, go, you don't go slower, but your mind thinks you're going slower. And so you just become more relaxed and you're more in control of the pace. And I think what happens is it just gets out of control. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, the tension creeps in, your heart rate goes up, your breathing is not right. And so it's just not a good feeling. Yeah. So and I guess your, your body starts re releasing chemicals like cortisol, which is a stress chemical rather than adrenaline, which is obviously going to improve your performance. It exactly. nearly goes into protection mode. 
Yeah, it's exactly that. It's a bit like when you've got some kind of an injury or tightness coming on and you feel your calf is kind of cramping up or tightening up because it's trying to protect something that's going to happen. So it's trying to it's mm. trying to slow you down. It's trying to stop you. You know, probably the most I was trying to think today, what's the most disempowering, debilitating emotion to suffer from during a race? And I think the best one I could find was what's the point that when that thought creeps in, what did I've I've blown it? What's the point anyway? I can't. This is this is all for naught. Ed, that's one that for to get to right to the core of controlling emotion in races, when that creeps in, extremely hard to shake. Now, when Katrina McKiernan spoke to me on the Irishman Abroad, the big interview that I did with her, she spoke about that thought coming in when you were going for a record or something and going and, and that completely, you know, blowing everything. But how she's found form and actually adjusting your form, using your body to trick your mind in some ways, that if I just focus on running correctly, then the thoughts will go away. What do you what do you think of that, first of all, in terms of the most disempowering thought and in terms of can you actually focus on your form to get your head back in straight line? Yeah, that's exactly what you can do is you, you just have to distract yourself from what's bothering you. Hmm. So you have to take yourself away from if it's a negative thought in your head, then you have to think about some positive thought. Like, what can I do that's positive here? And one thing is to think about my form. Okay. Let me think about picking my feet up. Let me think about moving my arms. Uh, let me think about landing my feet underneath my body. Mm-hmm. And so you, you think about all these different things that are a positive when it comes to running. And by doing that, then you forget that you're tense and that you're bothered and it's feeling like hard work. And I think, you know, when you're in a race and particularly when you're in a marathon, because it's a long time out there. And, you know, if you're starting to feel like this is all too much in the first time play, then you've got to have a plan B and a plan C to get you through the next stages of the race. Mm-hmm. And so you have your best case scenario, your worst case scenario, and then the middle of the road so that you can float between the three of those, depending on how you're feeling. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to feel, you know, fantastic. Yeah, there really is. Every step of the way. Yeah, and there's so many things that are out of your hands as well. Yeah, you're bound to go through this like wave of emotions, wave of, you know, feeling good, having a bad patch. And it's like, how how do you get yourself through these little bad patches? And so you have to have these little things to distract yourself. Mm. And one, yeah, it's definitely a good thing to think about, you know, how you're how you're actually running and trying to focus on the positive and how you can, instead of like landing your feet, you can actually pick them up, think about picking them up, um, think about using your arms, particularly if there's any hills that you have to get up. Hmm. Well, I guess that's the first part of what we're going to talk about here today is getting in that negative headspace. But the thing that everybody I speak to about marathons, and this being my first one, I am 
really attuned to any advice and all advice. I have, you know, baristas giving me advice as they prepare my coffee. An old lady turned around to me in the middle of queuing for my coffee with Jan O'Hearnan on our Saturday long run uh, and started coaching us, started telling us (laughs) we were doing it all wrong. She literally met us 30 seconds earlier. But by and large, one of the pieces of advice that I keep hearing is around control. In fact, Owen Downing, another Cove athlete who you know well, uh, bumped into us on the run. He has recently completed his first marathon in Dublin. And he said the urge and the emotion that you feel at the start of a marathon, where it's like, whoa, I've tapered perfectly. My legs are so bouncy. This doesn't feel like work at all. That can also be an emotion that carries you away down, you know, a creek that you can find yourself with no paddle in. So nearly the uh, the question I'm trying to pose here is how do you control the other end of the spectrum being the enthusiasm in that first 10K? Um, well, I think you have to think about it like it's not it's not like the start of a race where you're running as fast as you can once the gun goes off. Right. It's not it's not like a park run start, you know, where everybody legs it. <laughs> and they're all trying to find space up there in Bushy Park, you know, and there's yeah. a thousand people <laughs> trying to all cut in to yeah. this one little path. It's the opposite. <laughs> so you really just have to nearly hold the reins and hold yourself back. And don't be worried about all the people that are slowing past you, because they will be. Mm-hmm. there'll be lots of people going past. And I can remember this from when I ran Dublin in 2015. And I had a set pace that I wanted to go. And, you know, I looked at my watch at the first kilometer. It was way too fast. You know, it wasn't way, way too fast, but it was it was still way too fast compared yeah. to what I wanted to do. And all these people were, there was just people going past me the whole time. And I, and I still had to slow down. You know, so I think that first kilometer or so, it will be too fast. There's no doubt about that. But you have to keep, you just have to look at that. And then you have to kind of keep it in check and not say to yourself, oh, this feels great. I'm going to keep this going here. I'm going to like break three hours. No bother. (laughs) That you actually have to kind of put yourself in check and say, okay, I got to hold back here a little bit now. And I have to trust, trust in myself and trust in my training that if I hold back, that I'll be able to then maintain this pace all the way through to the finish rather than thinking, oh, this is bonus seconds here. I'm just going to keep pushing on mm-hmm. and, you know, think that you're putting money in the bank when the reality is that you're you're not going to have anything to draw out on if you if you waste it all too early. Yeah, yeah. The bank balance won't be there when you need it. Uh, the final question around enthusiasm and the emotion of just sheer excitement, I guess, is the crowds. And again, it's another thing that people tell me all the time is that like, oh, you're going to float. You're going you're gonna to float because you've got all these people cheering you on on the sideline. As, as I've always said, I'm a man who loves an audience. But in some ways, I am a bit wary of it. The The long runs that I've been doing, I want to give a shout out to everybody who's been showing up at the Phoenix Park and the various different places that have been doing these. 
they you know they are solitary events they do take place with you know cattle and sheep cheering you on or maybe some deer in the phoenix park uh, the replicating what it must be like to have random strangers see the name on your vest shout your name and tell you go faster <laughs> is is impossible but it, it it must be something that you have to to a degree drown out or block out until you actually need it. Now your your experience of that is obviously very different, Sonia, but I even thought about it in terms of the Six Nations. The guys are very anxious on Saturday doing what they were doing and blocking out the crowd is is something that you can only only learn through practice, right? Do you get good at that or is that something I should be conscious of? Uh, I really don't know what to think around this when people say this to me. Well, I think the main thing is not to get too excited at the start and not to be buoyed along by the crowd, you know, getting you the adrenaline going, the energy. Mm. It's good to use up some of that and to use it to your benefit. And particularly if you go through patches where there'll be bands playing and music, you know, that will be it will lift you. Yeah. as you go along and yeah you got to go with that and because that really does make you feel light and it makes you bounce off the road you feel like you're flying but then that's only for a short period of time then there'll be a flat period mm. so there's definitely times when you should use it to your benefit but then you have to realize that okay now i'm going to have a bit of a quiet time here i'm going to have to this is where the hard work kicks in and it's a bit like when you're running downhill so when you have you know big crowds cheering you and there's a lot of noise and energy around the place. It can feel like you're running downhill. But then when you go through these quieter packages, it's like running on the flat and you have to keep the pace going on the flat. It's, it's much, it's much harder to do that over mm. a long period of time. So that's when you have to be focused and concentrated on the pace that you're going and, and maintaining the pace. I have so many more questions for you, Sonia. We're going to get to them all. Trust me, there's a bigger episode of Irishman Running Abroad available every single week on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. In fact, it's how we make the show is through the support of people listening like you who can afford to kick in a fiver each month. And in return, you get hundreds of hours of listening of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived. An episode with Sonia every week, a bumper size episode with Marion and much much more. Come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad this week and enjoy our 15% discount for the month of March. Why don't we bring in our coach, Vinnie Muldy? Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. Good afternoon to you, Vinnie Mulvey. Thanks for joining me on the live line. Good afternoon, Joe. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Tell me about the swans in your region. <laughs> go on, go on. Is it possible that when you're coaching people who are training for marathons and they're they've got a charity involved or they're running it for somebody who passed away, that we can just overload the actual race itself with meaning and that that can be an error? that people make in corralling the emotion needed for this. Yeah, that definitely. I, I mean, I, I, I think if you look at any sport, the best people perform better when they're emotionless, you know? Mm. Like whether it's golf putter, putting in golf or taking a free shot in basketball or 
a penalty kick in rugby or whatever, I think you're, you're, you know, ideally you leave emotion out of it and you focus purely on what you're doing that second, you know? Mm. Um, Is that possible? Is that realistic? Like, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying when you're like ice cold sexton. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it is really possible in those snapshot moments of games or whatever, but we're running. It's a lot harder, you know, because you're out there Mm. for ages, like, and you're, you know, as, as you said, if you, if you, if you're doing it for, someone that passed away or whatever you know if there's something like that involved in it it does play on your mind so like i mean i think you do have to get back to like what like what is emotion you know and like that's very hard thing to answer but i think Mm. all emotion is subjective it's how we handle it that's that's what matters like it's all right to have emotions it's it's probably good to have the emotions but it's how you interpret those emotions or those stresses that's it's the behavior from the emotions that's the important part you know yeah like i hear exactly what you're saying there is like emotion is inevitable especially when you're going to be as tired as you're gonna be like when (laughs) we've all seen a cranky child (laughs) who's just out of resources to handle the emotions they're feeling whether it's my brother took my pen or i'm hungry you're inevitably going to have a feeling of whatever emotions you're having on a heightened state in in the course of a four-hour run. Well, I think like children, how we deal with our emotions a lot of times is based on experience, you know? So if if, if you're doing a marathon and it's a completely new emotion to you, like that you just hit the wall or something, you know, you're not going to be equipped to deal with it. You're not, you're going to, you, a lot of people panic. Panic is the worst thing mm. in, in, in running. It's probably the worst thing I, I can think of. Panic, you know, oh shit, you know, what do I do? What do I do? Or, or, you or know, it, it, no. it's not, it's not worthwhile anymore. Like this is what I put to Sonia in the first yeah, session. That yeah, yeah. I think that, that is might be thing. the most debilitating one because there you is, go, there, that's a what's big the one. point? Yeah. yeah you you've lived this like you told me about uh, was it the new york marathon where yeah you yeah. look back i was just on, thinking about that yeah. T- tell us what happened there well the new york marathon like i that was my debut marathon it was the only one I, i've done and and i dropped out 22 miles i i literally still have nightmares about that every no. like once a year maybe you know really? i'll always yeah it's like leaving cert kind of dream Mm. you know like but what happened me was yeah i trained for the marathon and my goal was to debut and run about 217 218 something like that and you know i kind of thought i should do this easily enough you know and that was mistake number one you know i didn't give it the respect it deserved Mm. but uh but what, what happened was i got an injury maybe four weeks before and i was only out i missed 10 days but I missed two long runs, you know, and at that elite level, like that is crucial, like, you know. Yeah. And then the Wednesday before the race, which was on the Sunday, I got another injury and I was out running an easy run and I felt, I think it was my groin or my foot. I can't remember. Well, one of them was my groin and one of them was my foot, but um, I, I got really negative and maybe I won't do this, you know, and, and whatever. And I went and saw a chiropractor over in new york and uh because i was living there at the time and um 
he just popped it back into place and I felt great, you know, and that was the day before. But I had all this negative emotion, like, geez, maybe maybe I'm not prepared for this and whatever. And, like, I got to uh, 18 miles maybe, which is, um, what's that, 30K or something. And um, I was on track, like, I was doing well. And then the wheels just came off. There was no Garmin's back then, you know. So mm. you were basically going mile to mile. And you you hit the, the split on your watch and you timed the next mile. And I was hoping to hit about... I think five fifteen per mile or something, whatever that is in case. But I, uh, I, I got carried away. I, I, there's a part in the New York Marathon where you come across the 59th Street Bridge, and there's no spectators allowed on it, and all you hear is your breathing, and there's nobody around you. Like I, you know, I was probably in about 15 position or something, and. Uh, the next guy was about 100 metres ahead of me. Next, And the other guy was about 100 behind me. So I was on my own. Then you come off that bridge and it's about six people deep on both sides of the road. like, And the adrenaline just shoots through you, you know. And uh, I'm seeing all these people, Irish flags and everything, and, you know, people I knew. And I ended up running a 440 mile just on adrenaline. So that that's yeah. talking about controlling emotions. Like I got... I just got really emotional and geez, I'm in New York. I'm an Irish man and you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm flying. I, don't, I can't wait to. And that's the thing. I like, even when you think, geez, I'm going to do great here. You have to, you have to keep a lid on that. You know, how do you do it? That's the question though, Vinny. Like, well, I, got, I got about two yeah. miles up the road and that the wheels came. I just felt like I was carrying a piano, you know? And wow. the, the splits went back to like six minutes and stuff. And I was like, I, I, I gave up. I, I just, my head got the better of me. And I'm not ashamed to say it, I just lost the head and I stopped. And it's the only race I ever dropped out of in 30 years or whatever, you know. But I, um, I, I just lost the head. And uh, I, I, like, when, when you look back on it, let, yeah, let's talk about yeah. that. Because with, because the hindsight must kick in so quickly. Like, why did I stop? What the fuck yeah, was Yeah, within five minutes, I was like, what the... Like, there's all people everywhere. Like, I was in the middle of Harlem. There's people everywhere. Come on, man. Come on. Keep going. And I was like, fuck off. No way. I'm, I'm done. You know, and I was trying to hide. I was trying to get out of there. And uh, I walked back to the start, to the, uh, to the finish line. Because all my gear was there because I was in the elite section and they had all my gear. So I had to walk through Central Park to get back to the to finish. And that was depressing. Like I was walking yeah. through Central Park and I felt like the biggest loser in the world. Like, do you know? And yeah, what, in like, the running shorts, in the singlet with the, with the number yeah. on. Yeah, in November. Do you know? And you're just like, oh my God, this is, this is depressed. You start thinking... Just why did I stop? Why did I just do that? You know, and, and sometimes you can't answer these things. So uh, now your job, Vinny, is to coach people. Like, uh, obviously treat them physically as a therapist, but to coach people like me and Sonia. And, you know, you must have these discussions. And you're, all of your experience through elite running informs the choices you make in terms of the plans you do up and how you speak to people and how you coach them. Do you have these conversations with people around being conscious of 
their internal monologue and their emotions not being an accurate reflection of their true self. Yeah, and it goes back to that subjective thing. Some, like It's the classic thing, like people think they're fat or they think they're ugly or they think they're having a bad day and you know someone else will go no you're not at all do you know it's it's how we see ourselves and and it's the same in a race it can happen really quickly the negative thoughts set in and they you spiral i do talk to people about that and and what to do on the day and what you can do and some people are naturally better at this stuff do you know they just get on with it or they just go to plan B, but you have to have a plan B. I think it is important. And they say this to people when I'm coaching them, forget about everyone else. Like what, what the fellow beside you is doing in the marathon or the girl is doing beside you. It doesn't matter. Like it's irrelevant to you. You have to focus on your job on the day and focus on all the training you've done when kind of sometimes things go pear shaped or you're like, geez, I'm hitting a bad patch here or whatever. I'm big on mantras and just keep repeating phrases to yourself. Like training has gone great. I'm flying. I'm flying. I feel good. Even when you feel crap, just keep saying positive things to yourself and, you know, focus on, think about some of the really tough long runs that you did over the the period before and, and how you got through them and how you kind of, clenched your teeth and a good attitude to have is i didn't put all these errors in over the last four or five or six months to what's out Mm. i've been reading about in a book you recommended i recommend people get their hands on it my recommendation of the week do hard things by steve magnus is the book that Vinny recommended on this very subject and later on in the show in the london's calling section i'm going to get into it with Vinny a little bit more on what lies ahead for me with 33 days to go to this thing and you can listen in you can earwig on the full chat and where the progress is and what the plan is heading to the wicklow half marathon this weekend so out of the back of that sonia just having spoken to Vinny there he he and you both went to university in the states he went to iona you went to villanova was there ever any coach that said to you you actually need to mentally rehearse what you're going to do. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress 